The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. The future of deliveries. Uh, why aren't we delivering with drones and driverless trucks? According to Dr. Catherine Ball, it is actually possible. We just seem to have a bit more infrastructure in place to do it. I think it's fascinating. Um, Dr. Catherine Ball is a drones and robotic expert and also a scientific futurist. Uh, Catherine, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. Good morning, and how are you today? Good, thank you. Well, we've had a bit of an issue here in Geelong because one of the people that got COVID here was a delivery driver, a food delivery driver, and that meant that you had a whole bunch of exposure sites that were restaurants, so it spread it around the community. So there is concerns with COVID and Delta and how infectious it is with people that are moving around to a lot of different places. Yes, and you know what? This is nothing new. We we know from virus transmission in places like Africa, for example, with HIV AIDS, the logistics supply chains, you could directly map them with the, the, the trail of HIV infections. So having people moving around when we have a pandemic is probably something we don't want to do. Um, we also don't want those people to be at risk of picking up the virus too. So, I mean, it's not like we need to um, make them the enemy at all. It's more about looking at solutions that are going to keep everybody safe. And the biggest frustration for me is that we've been doing this for 30 years. Why aren't we already applying it? as business as usual. So does the technology actually exist that if I was to say order something on Uber Eats, a drone could fly to me and drop it off? Yes, absolutely. In fact, Google Wing, who chose Logan here in Queensland to be their first commercial operations, have delivered over 40,000 coffees and breads, you know, packs of bread and, and paracetamol tablets and all sorts of um, things to local families in the Logan region. And that's just one commercial operation in one city in one state in Australia. Can you imagine if we actually had that on scale, how different it would have been for the people of Victoria during these lockdowns? Well, what about Shepparton that had that massive outbreak to the point where a lot of their logistics, their supermarket workers, were crippled because they were close contacts. They had to go into the 14-day isolation and it seemed that the whole supply chain there collapsed. Yes, and this is another issue. We have robots that can pick and pack. And in fact, Australia takes part in global robotics competitions and we have won. The team here at Queensland University of Technology have actually won that Amazon pick and packing um, um, robotics prize before. So you can actually have drones and robots right back where the fruit or veg is being picked all the way through. We will actually have fruit and vegetables on our plates that have never been touched by a human hand in the next few years. So the technology is there. It's just not being applied yet. So can you imagine, you know, you're ordering a pizza, the pizza gets made by a robot, the AI takes a picture to check that the pizza's fine. The pizza goes into the drone. The drone flies to your front lawn, um, drops the pizza down and then flies off. And and not a human hand has touched that pizza. Totally feasible. Where is it? On one hand, it sounds exciting. On the other hand, and I'm assuming you get this question, a lot of people would be saying, what about the people whose job it is to make the pizza or the people whose job it is to drive that delivery truck? What, What happens to them? Well, this is it. And they can be retrained. So every robot that ever gets put in a factory or any way in which we have any kind of automation means we have a job need. And this is a big call for Australians. We do not have enough people trained up in emerging technologies, digital technologies, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, and we can't import those things through 457 visas. Cybersecurity, in fact, is a massive opportunity and also a potential problem for Australia going forwards. So if you want a job for life, I can tell you right now, if you get into data science or cybersecurity, you've got a job for life. Um, What is holding us back? Is that the issue? We just don't have the skills to actually roll this out on a great scale. Is that why we don't have drones delivering our pizzas yet? 
Well, it's interesting because Domino's here in Queensland also trialled a little driving vehicle, like a car, like a little mini car that would drive and deliver your pizza. So it wasn't just the flying drones. They also tried, you know, uncrewed or remotely piloted or autonomous street-based vehicles. But again, it got to a trial. It never got to scale. And I don't quite understand why. There's always a gap between capability and action when it comes to new and emerging technologies. And I had really hoped that the pandemic might have thrown a lens on the technological capability that Australia is known at being one of the best in the world for and how we could have used that during these times. Uh, Tesla's had a few problems with their autonomous vehicles, but I'm assuming the thresholds of safety are a lot lower if you're just transporting goods and not so much having people in the car. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the biggest thing about any kind of driverless, autonomous or roboticized technologies is they need to be separated from the humans. That's the safest way to operate them. So what I would suggest is if we're going to have driverless trucks, those driverless trucks do not drive on the same roads that you and I do. They're on particularly isolated, like rail is on a railway corridor. Driverless vehicles should be on a driverless vehicle corridor. And they're doing this in Europe. In some cities in Europe, like Helsinki, there are entire areas of the CBD where only driverless vehicles can go. Regular vehicles are not even allowed in there anymore. So the the balance of this is tipping. Interestingly, Federal Express in the United States, you know, the big freight logistics company, a few years ago, they already applied to the FAA, which is their airspace regulator, for approvals to have pilotless freight planes. And so we're not going to get on a Qantas flight anytime soon without a pilot on board, but the parcels that we order in might. Yeah, it's interesting, the idea of keeping it separate. I think that's probably the way to go because if you were sitting on a freeway, for example, and you had a driverless truck uh, coming up behind you, I think people would be a bit nervous by that, that it wouldn't you know, randomly swerve or have a blue screen of death or something and the software on board collapses. People just had too many bad experiences with computers crashing, I think, mm-hmm. to really trust the technology quite yet to be on the same roads as humans. Oh, you said the right word there. That is trust. So how do we trust technology to perform in excellence the way we would hope that it does? And this is where people like Tesla have actually been making some great advances in this. Um, and Elon Musk revealed his um, driverless trucks a few years ago. So there are people with money that are looking at this. And if you ever, when we can fly again, you ever fly into to Heathrow, T5, I think uh, T3 actually, I beg your pardon, has a driverless vehicle that will pick you up and take you to your car park or pick you up from the car park and take you to the terminal. And that has its own road. No other cars can go on that road. So the thing about the future is that it's already here, but it's in patches. And the thing for me is it's all about egalitarianism. Why is it that the people of Geelong can't take advantage of the kinds of technology that the people of Singapore are already getting used to as business as usual? So what sort of time frame are we talking about? You know the industry, you know what capabilities we have here in Australia. How long is it going to be before this sort of delivery technology becomes widespread? Are we talking 10 years, 20 years? I think, you know, if you'd asked me that question before the pandemic, I'd have probably said five to ten years. Now I think we're looking at more like two to three years. Wow. And if you think about it, we're changing how logistics work across the country anyway. When they build inland rail, that's going to take 150 trucks off the road. So it's like we are moving to a low carbon, um, you know, low human interaction logistics chain. We also now, interestingly, just this week, in fact, you can Google this. So Norway have the very first uncrewed shipping container vessel. So they actually have this carbon neutral, um, I think it works on hybrid fuels and and green hydrogen um, shipping container because we know that the shipping industry actually has a larger carbon footprint than the airline industry even before the pandemic. So how do we make it environmentally sensitive? How do we make it safer for human beings? And how do we make it more efficient so we don't have to wait for months and pay a large price for shipping for things that come into Australia? One of the things that came to mind when you mentioned the fruit picking scenario when someone picks some fruit and it just gets sent to you without uh, coming into contact with a human at all, the new way of doing it, it brought back memories of that scan they had with the strawberries and you know the needles in the strawberry i mean for quality control uh, robotics is going to be a lot better isn't it 
Oh, it is. And you know what? There are already raspberry picking robots. And if you think about it, a lot of the soft fruits that we eat are actually grown in hydroponic, you know, quite anthropomorphic systems anyway. They're not grown necessarily out in the wilds of the fields. And even then, there are strawberry strawberry picking robots that can go up and down. One of the things that's frustrated me most during this pandemic is seeing the amount of jobs there have been for people to go and work in the agriculture sector. And the fact that our food prices in places like Western Australia has started going up because they literally don't have the people to go and pick the cucumbers. Well, we will start automating our agriculture and ag tech is already worth $189 billion. And Australia and New Zealand are at the forefront of ag tech. I mean, look at all the capabilities we could have. We may not be the breadbasket of uh, the Asia Pacific, but we're certainly the deli counter. So how do we keep producing and exporting the wonderful vegetables and fruit and other foodstuffs that we produce? The answer will be with automation, hand in hand with the human. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. A really good insight. And uh, let's see what happens and whether that two to three year window that you've given us comes true. You'll have to call me in a couple of years and let's see how we're going. Thank you so much. Stay safe and stay well, everyone. Thank you very much. Dr. Catherine Ball there, who is an expert when it comes to drones and robotics and all that futuristic stuff. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.